there's so much of us that is um, that is connected and similar. And I think when it's missing in terms of art and representation, it's like we're missing a, a very um, amazing and remarkable piece of our human story. conversations about the work behind the work with diverse artists from all over the globe. My name is Ruby Josephine Smith, and not only am I the creator and host of this podcast, I am a choreographer and contemporary dance artist. This is a podcast in process about process. I am not only fascinated by the creative process itself, but how to have better and more meaningful conversations about it with artists of different cultures, backgrounds, and mediums. Join me in digging deep into what it is that drives a person to make art. Before diving in today, I wanted to say thank you to everyone who has been showing love to Process Pieces' new website as well as sharing and spreading the latest episodes. Word of mouth is absolutely the best way to get the word out about a thing like a podcast, and I am so grateful to each and every one of you who listens and then sends that inspiration on to a friend or on social media. Please continue to share the podcast love and let me know what in these conversations is really resonating with you. In this conversation today, you'll hear Cosby A. Cabrera say that the entry point is the heart. I think that is the perfect place to start with everything and is certainly the entry point to this very conversation. Cosby is a multimedia artist who lives in Evanston, Illinois. Trained as an art director, this graduate from Parsons School of Design left her dream job designing for music to make handmade collectible cloth dolls, muñecas, in honor of her Honduran heritage. Her dolls were featured on The Oprah Winfrey Show, Martha Stewart Living, Land of Nod Catalog, and many other U.S. networks. She's had solo exhibitions of her textile work at the Jewish Fund Gallery, Ernest Rubinstein Galleries, and the Lincoln Center Education Art Gallery. Cosby is also the author-illustrator of Me and Mama, which recently won the Coretta Scott King Honor and a Caldecott Honor, and she also wrote and illustrated the acclaimed book My Hair is a Garden. Her star-reviewed illustrated titles include Exquisite, The Poetry, and Life of Gwendolyn Brooks by Suzanne Slade, Most Loved in All the World, by Tanya Cherie Hegeman, Stitchin' and Pullin' a G's Bend Quilt by Patricia McKissack, Thanks a Million by Nikki Grimes, and Beauty Her Basket by Sandra Belton. Cosby has been a contributing illustrator for various titles, including Our Children Can Soar, a celebration of Rosa, Barack, and the Pioneers of Change by Michelle Cook. You can find out more about her work at cosby.com, that's C-O-Z-B-I.com, and find out more information about what we talk about in the show notes at processpiece.com. This conversation weaves through the threads of all that Cosby does, connecting mediums by way of her thoughtful, intentional process. We speak about the senses and details of memory, how Cosby took a non-linear path to becoming the artist she is today, and the importance of representation in the art world, not just for the people being represented, but for the consumers of the art to have their perspectives broadened. As we get deeper into process, we each share big questions that are central to our work, and Cosby expresses how the little daily things enrich life and art. Cosby was such a joy and delight to speak with, and she puts so much heart into every single thing she does. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Here is my talk with Cosby A. Cabrera. 
Crosby, thank you so much for being on Process Piece today. It is lovely to have you. It's my pleasure to be here with you, Ruby. Thank you. So I've been taking a look at all of your work and all of the beautiful Mm -hmm. things that you do. And I noticed as soon as you open your website, the first thing that comes up is a statement that says, I really like making things. Mm -hmm. And that ties in perfectly with the first question that I always like to ask people. And so Mm -hmm. for you, I'd like to ask, what is your first memory of making things? Huh. That's so funny. I guess I haven't even thought about what my first memory of making things. Um, well, I guess there are a couple of memories that sort of like dovetail together. Um, I remember being given a shell in uh, preschool, you know, that um, I painted and and adorned in some way. And, uh, and my mother thinking that it was like the most beautiful thing in the world. You know? um, <laughs> of course. And so she actually put it on... Um, her uh, coffee table um, uh, alongside the Lazy Susan as if it should occupy the same space as the Morani glass, you know? (laughs) Uh, So that's like one thing in terms of like um, a solid concrete thing. And then I also remember my mom had given me a book called um, How to Make Doll Clothes by Emily Dow. Mm. Um, And it it said, a book for mothers, uh, grandmothers, aunts, and daughters, you know? (laughs) And um, yeah, and it was like a a wonderful little volume um, that I got at the age of nine. And it had like beautiful little line drawings, you Mm -hmm. know, showing like how to lay the doll down on a piece of fabric and, you know, sort of how to trace out shapes and outlines and um and then how to connect and sew so that this one piece of fabric could become a three-dimensional um you know item that would fit the doll yeah and so um I just remember spending hours and hours um so like reading through and you know trying out some of the you know some of the uh the experiments that's beautiful (laughs) do you still have that book I still have it I do yeah yeah, it sounds like kind of an heirloom that can then be passed down throughout generations yeah. of makers and creators. So I also know I read that you were a big reader from a young age mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Um, so do you think did reading kind of lead you into writing then along that kind of creative path? You know, it's really funny because um, in in some ways, um, unconsciously, yes, mm-hmm. I, I would say um, because I think that's how we really grab a hold of language, you know, through our reading. Um, you know, and I know for me, um, English was my parents' second language. Their Mm, first language was, um, uh, Garifuna and Spanish having hailed from Honduras. Mm. Um, and so, um, uh, English was a language that they wanted their, uh, sort of new generation to learn so that they would have a mastery of it, you know, but, um, getting back to the reading and the writing, I think that also what I was reading almost stilted some of my writing in a way. Hmm, um, because I remember when I, I was about maybe seven, eight, nine, all those summers were spent uh, sort of inside the apartment, sort of like without camp, without campfires, uh, without <laughs> tall prairie grass and all the things that I thought were worthy experiences. So I remember like taking the typewriter out of the living closet and like, you know, like cranking in a piece of onion skin paper or something and, Mm -hmm. you know, attempting to write and thinking that my experiences just weren't worthy enough because they didn't compare to what I was reading necessarily. Mm, Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So like a double-edged sword there. Yeah, that's so interesting. I think that's a yeah. common experience. I think mm-hmm. I wrote a lot of fantasy when I was younger, trying uh, to emulate all uh, of the fantasy books that I was <laughs> reading. And reading. Yeah, I mean, I wrote a lot of Harry Potter-esque stories when I was uh-huh. around that age too. <laughs> right. But I yeah. think, I think you know, copying is, I think, how we often start the creative path is copying yeah. what we see and what we resonate with. So I think that makes right. a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and then back in those days, I, th- I think like the books that spoke to me the most were, were like anything Judy Bloom. Yeah. Um, because I thought there was like a, a total vulnerability and transparency in her storytelling. Mm-hmm. And so like getting into the head of her, her characters and um, they just showed up as in my uh, estimation at the time it was like fully human you know yes yeah, yeah. exactly that's so important yeah. to see mm-hmm. and what about uh drawing and painting did that start from a young age too always yeah, yeah. and it was actually my pre-kindergarten teacher that um uh, pointed out to my mother um that my drawings were a little different from some of my mm. classmates you know she goes notice that you know notice the eyes and the nose and the mouth and you know and then my mother uh, I saw her looking at all the other drawings and they were either um had the eyes but not the mouth or maybe a mouth but not a nose you know and (laughs) so yeah so the teacher was uh pointing out what she um felt were like really well-placed features you know Mm -hmm. and so after that my mom always like handed me like that little slip of cardboard that you get in between the you know the the packaging of the stocking oh yeah Uh yeah with the little rounded corners so she always handed that to me and and I always felt that that was like a major privilege because there were four (laughs) of us kids but you know she did pass that to me and I would use like whatever um, materials were on hand including that to to draw on Amazing. I love these details that you remember, even to, like the typewriter and the onion skin paper, oh. and the corners from the stocking. It's really beautiful. It's already so like tactile. Uh, really, yeah. Yeah. yeah memory is funny. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually uh, working with um, an organization called Uptown Stories mm-hmm. um, and we're working on uh, something called the uh, the memory quilt project, you know, mm. and so like I'll, I'll issue out a you know, some prompts, like what, what's your earliest memory or, you know, that memory that tickles your funny bone or yeah. uh, the one that stings or possibly aches, you know? Yeah. Um, beautiful. Yeah. And like the memory that's like just pure bliss, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the whole idea is to get to writing as opposed to, oh my gosh, you know, am I able, do I qualify? Am I, you know, worthy enough? You know, it's just, yeah, just, yeah the, our memories are our own, you know, to call on at any time, right? We can, yeah. We can call up the memory at any time. Exactly. And they're so tied to the senses too. I think they that's are. what I love about it. Yeah. Beautiful. So how did that continue then on into making your first book? What was kind of the thread? I, I believe you studied yeah. design. I think I saw I that. I did, at yeah. So I majored in, um, I majored in communication design and, and that wasn't really um, like a straight linear path at all. Yeah. You know, um, I went to one of the three high schools of science in New York uh, called, mine was Brooklyn Tech. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then you had to pick a major um, to enter into come sophomore year. Okay. And I picked, um, Ill, uh, I picked industrial design. Okay. Like I really wanted chemistry, but like the course descriptions for industrial design with, um, you know, drafting and, um, 
I, all of it just made my mouth water. Mm, interesting. <laughs> and, yeah. And so I figured, oh, I can get to chemistry later, you know, because yeah. chemistry is a required uh, course anyway. Um, <laughs> sure. You know, I'm going for uh, industrial design. And so that was absolutely wonderful. And, uh, and then with that, I was selected out of, you know, all the students in the school to participate in what was called the Cooper Union Saturday program. Okay. And so I would go to um, Cooper Union every Saturday and, um, and they had like, just like tons of oil paint and materials for us to stretch our own canvases and, you know, mm. to just paint in the studio still live. And um, that was my first introduction to life uh, drawing um, and life study. Yeah. Very so, cool. um, yeah, so like continued with that. Um, and then I decided, you know, cause my science teachers were urging me to continue with the sciences mm. and my art teachers were, you know, uh, saying, you know, you've, you've got something here, you might want to pursue it. But mm -hmm. I remember like going to field trips with my, you know, my little cohort at the Cooper Union Saturday program. And we'd go to museums like the, uh, the, the Met, you know, mm -hmm. and look at the 20th century paintings and, you know, Jackson Pollock and William de Kooning. And, and I just remember, remember like everyone sort of repeating the same catchphrases for everything. It's like dynamic. Like they kept saying everything was dynamic. And I thought, huh, I'm not so sure about this. It, it's like, it seems like some of this is a little non-quantifiable. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So very much to the eye of the beholder. Um, and then I said, you know what, I'm not sure if this would necessarily be a course of study per se. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, this might just be something I'd love to continue doing, but not necessarily the study. So yeah. my, my first, um, sort of entry into college was for pre-med thinking oh, wow. that, mm -hmm. yeah. So anyway, long and short is, um, I wound up doing a whole host of other things in addition to my pre-med curriculum and wound up like being felt like I totally gotten lost and sort of spun around. Um, so I returned back uh, to New York and um, and one of my professors arranged for me to do two internships. Mm -hmm. One at the International uh, Women's Tribune Center doing uh, line drawings for um, things that went out to uh, some women in Africa to prevent um, you know, uh, early uh, childhood deaths. And then um, one at the African American Institute um, doing writing and research for their scholarly journal called Africa Report. And that's where I met this Amazing. woman named Ona from Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. And Ona, every day she kept saying, you must apply to Barsons, you know, <laughs> like yeah. every single day, you know. Um, and she said, we need good black graphic designers, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> why do we need good black graphic designers? what precisely is graphic design? But mm, I remember yeah. um, going to, um, to Parsons on my day off and picking up an application just to wow. get her off my back. Yep, it's persistence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I checked the box because there were three campus choices, New York, LA, and, and Paris. And I checked mm -hmm. the Paris box and, and off I went, you know. Wow. Yeah, and so that's how I got there. And, um, and I just felt like, something opened up where I could actually locate myself again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. I love those kind of nonlinear stories. I think yeah. it adds so much richness to your life. And I mm. think 
I've often seen that I feel like the first part of your life, those early years of studies are just kind of figuring out maybe what doesn't work, seeing what sticks until you finally start to figure out the path that really does work for you. And I just, I love those stories. I think it's beautiful. Totally. I think it's important that young people hear these sort of, you know, um, nonlinear paths to, because they themselves may feel lost or, um, or, um, and then there's, there's a story that we impose upon sort of this loss um, uh, path or sort of like having lost the breadcrumbs along the way, yeah. you know, to kind of like know where to go and what's next and, and realize that it's okay. And, and don't make that a, you don't have to make that a failure story, mm-hmm. you know, because as long as you're, you're breathing and living, it's like, yeah, it's like exactly. so many opportunities to kind of like turn things around exactly yeah and even when you're not young anymore you can still do that kind of spinning (laughs) dance and reorient yourself that's fine too I think yes totally 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 yeah Yeah. so how did you come to your first children's book what drew you into that world yeah so um so you know like illustrating children's books was something I always wanted to do and at the time it's like my dream job was to design for music and um Mm -hmm. I finally uh, got to, um, you know, to Atlantic Records with an amazing creative team there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was designing for music. And then uh, an old uh, college friend of mine, who was also pre-med, but uh, she was actually in med school, um, approached me because she was, um, uh, she was writing a book that had been accepted. So she was in contract. Amazing. And she des- decided because it was a smaller um, a smaller publisher that she was going to select her illustrator. And so she approached me with the project. Um, and it was like a series of like two board books, um, that I did with her and, um, and I turned them in, you know, sort of like painting at night. Um, and at the time I was using oil paints because that Mm -hmm. really was my, uh, sort of my best medium as far as I was concerned, you know, it's like a medium of choice. Um, and I just remember the paint not drying, even <laughs> though I had to turn them in. And I was like a little panicked, you know, it was like mm-hmm. they were still like sticky and tacky to the touch, you know. Oh my and gosh, um, yeah. yeah, and so at the last minute, I found like some Krylon spray, which is really <laughs> horrible. <laughs> like, yeah. so bad for the atmosphere and for, you know, our lungs. But <laughs> do I what just, you gotta like, do. <laughs> yeah, took them to the basement, you know, sprayed them so that they at least had a, a coating to the touch. And that's how I was able to deliver those. Yeah. Um, and since then, I've actually done uh, my books in acrylics. Okay, a little I bit easier. Get, yeah, the opacity of, um, of oil, but you know, they yeah. die really quickly. Yeah, I've heard about that struggle. I think it's hard to make that <sighs> transition sometimes from being used to fine art and all of the freedom. And then yeah. suddenly you're making books, you're like, oh, there's some limitations yeah. within this. Yeah. But it can it can make it more interesting too, because it takes you to new places. Totally, totally. Um, so so with that, um, you know, it's like it was just that invitation, you know, I did it. And then she asked me to do another one. I ha- turned in the sketches for those. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then I went on to Sony Music. And at that point, you know, um, I went from sort of art direction to design direction. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of management there and um, sort of assigning other art directors, you know, projects and taking the meetings and all of that. And then while I was doing that, I, I was making these handmade dolls. Mm-hmm. And I decided I was gonna actually quit. 
wow. <laughs> this like dream job and, um, and just focus on making the handmade dolls. Oh, and wow. I remember okay. there was this um, really amazing quote by, um, by uh, Gerth that's called, um, you know, it's like whatever you can dream to do, begin it, you know, yeah. like boldness has a genius magic and, or genius power and magic you know, yeah. to it. And like, just like holding that, like, uh, steadfast in my head in, in terms of, you know, just like taking this bold step, which is yeah. to leave my employed, you know, to take on making the handmade dolls. So yeah, so an editor um, at Green Willow Books approached me, you know, when she was <laughs> looking at the dolls and said, I know this is a weird kind of a request, but um, would you consider illustrating a children's book? <laughs> You know, well, yes, I would. <laughs> yeah, she so um so wow. a manuscript showed up, you know, next business day by FedEx and and I took a look at it and I decided, you know, I'll go ahead and now I'll, I'll illustrate it. And she thought that I was gonna deliver it all as textile art. Oh interesting. So she was like really surprised when she saw my sketches. Um, <laughs> because like looking at my handmade doll, she may not necessarily have known that I could draw. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I I turned in the art and they were painted. And I think that surprised her still because, (laughs) you know, it's like she really was thinking that I would um, turn it in as like two dimensional textiles. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I didn't realize that it was the dolls that kind of took you out of your other job and not the illustrating. That's really interesting. Yeah. 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 I, well, I wanted to ask you about the dolls mm-hmm. specifically. They're, I believe, are they called muñecas? Am I they are. That right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you are. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I read that they're inspired a lot by your Honduran heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm curious what kind of that connection is between um, making these dolls as mm-hmm. a form of honoring ancestry, um, if you right. have a sense of that within your work. Yeah, so I, I think mostly it's probably in the naming of the muñecas, you know, that I, I'm tying to um, sort of, you know, uh, my parents' background having emigrated here to the United States from, from Honduras. Yeah. Um, but I would say like what drove me to make the muñecas is, um, so like even my experiences in, in Paris as a person of color, mm-hmm. um, you know, I guess it was my, um, well, I would say my first sort of overall awakening to what it even means to be a person of color in the world. Mm. Um, like I didn't quite understand what that meant because I always was in very diverse um, sort of environments, you know, okay. um, from like um, from kindergarten to eighth grade, I was at a little uh, Catholic high school, um, uh, elementary school. Um, and it was like a, in, a, in an Italian neighborhood that was adjoining, okay. you know, my own. And, um, and so we always had it like a mixed group there. And of course, the, um, those relationships are so root deep, you mm-hmm. know, that we're even in communication with each other now because it was like so many years of our development wow. like spent together sort That's of in beautiful. the classroom you know yeah. um and then um and then I went to high school and that was also a very diverse environment so I never thought of myself as like other or different or mm-hmm. or anything in that way until maybe I got to um to college mm-hmm. you know and so like I remember you know we had to exchange uh, phone numbers with our our new roommate you know so that we would decide, you know, not to bring two toasters or not to bring, you know, to <laughs> sure. a thing that we could share. And I remember having some wonderful conversations with her 
And then, um, and then on the day of that move day, I arrived first and, you know, set up my, you know, my comforter, my desk ruffle and everything and, you know, filled my drawers. Um, and then she walked into the room with her parents mm -hmm. and they took one look at me and they were speechless. And it was like so obvious, like what was happening there. Um, yeah. And so they left and came back about, about, two and a half hours later um, and I'd fallen into a nap at that point. Um, but I, I woke up because, you know, they re-entered the room and they said, you know, we, we have a request. Can you um, move your things? We found your roommate and we found a roommate for our daughter um, that really wants to room with her. And, um, and so I just, I wasn't prepared for that, you know, just like, so, so I guess, um, so that, and then, you know, um, like moving into Paris and so like being all alone there, um, it made me very, I guess, more aware and conscious that I was a person of color in the world in the way that mm. I just hadn't thought about it. I was just thinking to myself, it's just another human being, sure. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so yeah, so I would go to, um, I would go to all of these different, um, uh, like uh, vintage, um, shows and and fairs and um and antique shows and i just kept noticing that there were a lot of um black dolls and the dolls mm -hmm. were not graceful or um necessarily even done in love you know it's mm -hmm. sort of like um at times the the maker of the doll is sort of like poking fun mm -hmm. you know at an entire yeah. group of people and so I thought oh my god you know if the world should just like cave in and like all we could excavate were these particular things um that sort of represented that I might have been on the earth I would think that that would be very tragic you know yeah. and so I decided that I was just going to make the dolls that I wanted to see and so that was my impetus and it was like so strong um sort of a pull you know to make the dolls that I wanted to see that reflected you know grace and an aspect of beauty um that I, I was like willing to devote my time to it you know and my energy and my effort yeah yeah. Just, you know, something that pulled me. Absolutely. Well, I think that's so important to kind of redefine mm -hmm. our standards of beauty, especially mm -hmm. when it's something that's so representational, often for young girls. And I mean, yeah. they're works of art that anyone can own, but I think that's yeah. really important. Well, thank you. And so, you know, you know, it's so funny because I did take them out into the marketplace and mm -hmm. I would get women who were deep from the South, you know, mm -hmm. who had sort of like grown up in a very segregated environment. Um, um, and probably had their own like ideas and sort of the myopia that comes when you are in your own echo chamber, you know, yeah. and, and they would say things like, oh my gosh, it's like, these are really beautiful. I never considered that a black doll could be beautiful, you know? Mm -hmm. wow. um, yeah. And, and like, and would like go to purchase, you know, because something yeah. sort of like touched their heartstrings somewhere. You know, mm, that's so and so important. that, yeah, no, I think the heart's always the entry point, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think so totally. too. I think that's what art yeah. does. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that more in terms of your illustrations mm -hmm. and your books too. Mm -hmm. I found a really beautiful quote by you. And unfortunately I didn't write down which interview it's from, but I'm sure I can go <laughs> back and find it. Um, but you were talking about writing children's books and why it's so mm -hmm. important to you to do so and to mm -hmm. represent children in these books. And you wrote, mm -hmm. or you said, every child is worthy to see themselves imprinted and lit upon the pages it's the very antidote to despair and fodder for hope yeah 
I just found that so beautiful, especially lately. I've been thinking a lot of the concept of despair. I think Mm -hmm. where we are in the world right now, you know, we're still in the middle of this pandemic and kind of a huge, just global reckoning with so many different things. Um, And despair is something I've been thinking about. I was reading a book recently, um, Conversations Mm -hmm. with a professor of religion, Houston Smith, Mm. where he said that despair is not a very creative stance towards life. Mm. Yeah. Um, And so I've just been thinking about that, especially with your quote as well. And I was wondering if you could maybe expand on that a little bit and talk about how you see art and then your art in particular as an antidote to despair. Yeah, I think that um, every child needs to sort of like see themselves out in the world um, and and be given the context so that they can relate in some way. Um, you know, it, it's really interesting because I think it's helpful for the whole world, not mm-hmm. just for sort of the child might, that might be represented. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking, for example, if my first college roommate had um, been exposed to people from all over the world that, um, or even her her parents, that they would have maybe had a, sort of a slightly different sort of approach and tact. And so I think it's helpful for the entire world that the entire world see um, all of uh, the human family sort of like represented and and operating and functioning and Mm -hmm. creating. And um, I think it's it's healthy um, to not just see your own little piece of uh, quilt or cloth sort of in the tapestry, but you know, that everyone have exposure, you know, to all of what is human, you know, yeah. um, even with sort of like varying degrees of, of details, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like our similarities, you know, it's like what the DNA strand is, what, 99.9% similar, and yeah. it's only said so maybe even less than that 1% that sort of like, um, sort of cocks things in a different direction, you mm-hmm. know, for appearance and but um, yeah, but there's so much of us that is um, that is connected and similar. And I think um, when it's missing um, in terms of art and representation, it's like we're missing a um, a very um, amazing and remarkable piece of our human story. Yeah, Absolutely. so I think it's it's for everyone's benefit and enrichment, and and that's why travel is so crucial. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, it really does expand and broaden um, and opens up portals of understanding in the same way that, um, you know, learning a new language. They say you learn a new language, you know, um, take on a new soul. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, we just sort of owe it it to ourselves to recognize that, um, you know, showing up in life, it's like a potluck dinner, you know, and (laughs) there's a, a dish that we're contributing to the table. Um, but to take in all of the other offerings on the table as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I have completely seen the benefit of travel, you know, very up close yeah. from living in such a different place for so long. But even when you can't yeah. have those, those experiences, I mean, having books like yours out there that tell you these different stories and show yeah. you these different perspectives and just allowing yourself to be exposed to that and really putting your heart into it, I think is just so important. Yeah, I think it makes a difference. Really and does. I think it is very much an antidote to um, 
that all that we've seen in terms of even the divisiveness or, mm -hmm. you know, sort of the separation of people sort of like entering their own little echo chambers to find safety and familiarity there. Yeah. Um, and, and that will implode ultimately, you know, um, we, we really have to come out and, and interact with each other because we are each other's, you know, bond Right. And um, yeah, I know uh, Gwendolyn and Brooks would say, you know, we are each other's harvest, you know, mm, and yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think that connect, uh, that connection is really critical. I agree. Yeah, yeah that's beautiful. Yeah. I think that's what art does. I think it's yeah. such an important part of the world in doing that. I agree. And, you know, it's funny because um, I once had a, a professor, um, uh, James Parker, um, in the Parsons in Paris, and, and he would always um, like uh, quote Joseph Albers, um, you know, who would do like just vast fields of like just color, you mm -hmm. know, um, uh, maybe a color square, and you walk into the room and you think, well, it's just a, it's just a, um, it's just a square of color, you know, mm -hmm. but when you just stand there and be present for it and really take it in it's like something shifts in you mm, just from having entered that room um and so i remember him always saying it's a job of the artist uh, to understand that um we have a responsibility to rearrange the emotional furniture of the viewer oh i love that emotional yeah. furniture that's beautiful yeah, yeah. Well, I think your books really do a beautiful job of that. And I wanted to speak about your most recent book, specifically Me and Mama, which is right yeah. behind you and I have next to me as well. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful book and it just won the um, Coretta Scott King honor, I believe, mm -hmm. and the Caldecott honor and having yeah. a mom who's an illustrator and author, I know what a big deal that is. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a beautiful book. I just read it this morning and yesterday mm -hmm. as well was looking through mm -hmm. it. And it's just filled with so much tenderness. That was really mm -hmm. the word that kept coming up to me is in the illustrations yeah. and in the story. It's very tender yeah. going through this day with the mother and daughter. Um, mm -hmm. And it really talks about kind of the delight and the little miracles in the everyday things. Um, and again, I found a, a beautiful quote by you in another interview that you did that I just wanted to bring to the table, um, talking about those kind of little everyday things, where you said, this is the interior stuff, however granular and unsweeping, that sculpts us and assuredly changes the world. And I found that really beautiful because I do think these little daily moments help to change the world and at least our worlds and hopefully expanding out. Um, so I was wondering if you could just talk about that a little bit more, this idea of these little daily things that add up to make a life and hopefully expand and resonate out. Yeah, you know, I think certain cultures sort of have that understanding, you know, generations uh, deep, like in, in Japan, for example, it's like mm -hmm. the beauty of the you know, utilitarian object or sort of the choices that we make or, you know, um, they may, for example, be in possession of a great number of things, but um, oftentimes those things are stored away and it's only like certain items are, are in rotation at any given moment. Yeah, um, yeah and so um, I think here in Western culture, it, it's almost has become our um, understanding that excitement's um, happen through uh, climatic <laughs> and sort of like epic kind of experiences, right, you know, yeah. it's like we have big expectations. <laughs> exactly. So we've got the amusement parks, we've got the, you know, um, we've got, for example, the, the story arc 
um, you know, that sort of has this like high, you know, moment and, mm -hmm. um, you know, and will they make it and like always like sort of we're sitting um, at the edge of our seats and mm -hmm. that sort of almost now becomes our expectation. Mm -hmm. um, and it's unfortunate in a way um, because I think there's a place for that for sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but it's unfortunate that we don't want sort of um, the beauty of the everyday to be cauterized, mm -hmm. you know, um, in such a way that we're become immune to it, you know, and that we no longer see it. And that's yeah. why, you know, it's so um, common for children to say, I'm bored. Right. <laughs> As if like a moment to catch your breath or you know, like watch that ginkgo leaf sort of like spin midair or mm -hmm. like all of the things that are literally around us and we just can capture it or bear witness to it even, yeah. you know, like to miss all of this like amazement, you know, because, um, you know, we have been accustomed to finding excitements prepackaged, you know. Right, yeah. And so that's why I, I wanted it to be very much an ode to the everyday. Mm -hmm. um, and to um, my initial thought was that I was going to trace this very tender relationship um, mm -hmm. just um, through their um, everyday objects, as mm -hmm. opposed to showing the mother and daughter, you know. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, yeah. And so my editor talked me into showing a little bit more of them, but I just wanted to just maybe catch glimpses of them. And so that it's not about like necessarily um, what they look like or, you know, mm -hmm. the expressions on their faces, but that somehow or another we would find that tenderness in that relationship, even through the language, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The language yeah. and the objects. I love that. Yeah. 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 I had another, um, an interview a couple, a month back um, with an <laughs> illustrator and author, Ella Frances Sanders. Um, and she talked about how she loves to collect little items, little mm. pebbles and leaves and just kind of scatter mm. them around her house. And she said the most beautiful thing in the interview where she was like, oh, I don't really know why I collect these. Maybe it's because someday if someone wants to, it's, it's kind of evidence. If someone wants to ask who I am, I can just point to that. Wow. And I just thought that was such a beautiful sentiment oh that gosh. I don't need to say anything. I just yeah. point to these objects that I've collected around me. And this is a right. help be evidence of who I am. You know, it's so funny because, um, and that's what I think about because, you know, I've had many um, opportunities to go the digital route, even for, um, you know, for turning in illustrations. And I always wind up sort of with <laughs> what is analog. Um, um, and, and I guess that's also what kind of pulled me out of designing for music, you know, because mm, everything had migrated to, yeah, just like, you know, a, a digital world. And, mm -hmm. and there's an amazing and beautiful place for that. Yeah, um, yeah but like, you know, coupled to what um, Ella Francis Sanders is saying about the evidence, there is something very powerful about evidence, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's what I regard like all of what I've elected or chosen to do, for me, it's like, it's evidence of the human hand, mm, you know? Yeah. Um, that's just like, really, it's like, we, we don't want to wipe that out, you know? Yeah. Um, so I love this idea that she's collecting these um, seemingly um, objects that you could very easily sort of like overlook or disregard, mm -hmm. you know, but she herself has found the beauty in them. Exactly. You know, and, and instead of like calling attention to these uh, simple things that she has found the beauty in, we get to know so much more about her. Exactly. You know, just yeah. by this, yeah, this curation and this edit. 
Yeah, which yeah, I think is beautiful. a bit what you do through your book too, because I've read that it all started with the cup. Um, <laughs> I, I read that story in a couple of places. I don't know if you want to oh. just briefly. <laughs> yeah, it was a cup that I had found in this Argentine bakery that was going out of business and, and they were selling off all of their odds and ends. And, um, and it just like caught my eye and it was just my favorite cup. And so I drank everything out of it. And yeah. one day my daughter's about three and she wanted to do something nice for me. And so she uh, went to get me a cup of water in my favorite cup and she put it on the water cooler ledge and, you know, yeah. squeezed the spigot and crash kaboom. Of course. <laughs> the end of, of the cup. And, you know, it's really funny because I saved the, you know, the, the pieces and the shards even mm -hmm. because I, I thought that they really were compelling me to paint them because they were yeah. still beautiful even in this broken form yeah <laughs> you know um so I kept it around for quite some time and um and then that's when I started to just collect what I felt was um our string of moments you know because mm -hmm. that's what life really is it's just sort of a, like like moments that we have are strung you know very much like uh, pearls or anything else you know that mm -hmm. um sort of like create something um and so, yeah, so I just started to collect the, the string of moments and, and that's mm -hmm. how me and Mama sort of like came about as a book. That's beautiful. It's so interesting because it's such a kind of small moment that then expanded mm -hmm. out into this big concept for a book. And I've, it's, I just find that so interesting because I find myself often working backwards. So I often mm -hmm. start with this big theme that I have in mind that I I'm like, oh, I'm really curious about this whole wide scope of something. And then through my dance research, I distill that down into these smaller pieces. Oh, wow. um, and so I'm really interested about kind of those contrasting processes. Right. Um, so I'm curious how you do kind of unfold that into a book um, from this small piece and how it grows bigger. Yeah, it, it's so funny. I think um, whether we work um, sort of from grand uh, scheme to um, the eyelash. <laughs> yes, that's a you good know, way to put it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that in the end, it's all really um, connected. Um, mm -hmm. And it's so, um, uh, it's connected in such a way that even if you worked around the smaller pieces and, um, and sort of tried to knit them together, mm -hmm. um, it, it's almost like um, it, there's a story of, a, you know, someone who needed their uh, their kid to be quiet for a moment so he could compose something mm -hmm. so he just like tore um, this um, magazine or newspaper page up into you know several little pieces and said here put these together <laughs> you know yeah. and his child came back like five minutes later and um and he's you know wait how did you <laughs> come back so quickly he goes I just noticed that uh, there was a mouse and um and some features in, on, on, the, on the back side of it, really. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was the face of a man. And so he put the face of the man together. And so that's how he was able to, <laughs> oh. <laughs> to put wow. it together so quickly, you know. Yeah. Um, and so it's either whether it's on the front side and we think it's a far away off that we, um, to connect it, you know, it's going to take some doing mm -hmm. or whether we have like these reference points. Mm -hmm. you know, um, it, it's really kind of we're working on both sides I think of the page yeah, you know um, when we decide to go with these granular smaller details or the you know sort of the, the larger sweeping yeah. you know, arc yeah. yeah you're right it all does connect eventually it does connect it's yeah kind of the magic it of it
Yeah, and I think that uh, we're not limited in, in, in our approach. So you work with so many different mediums. Um, do you find that the process is similar between them, between writing, painting, making the dolls? I might be missing something, quilting, I believe too. <laughs> you know, it, it's really, I, I love your question um, um, because the distinction is, so like, what are the, uh, the differences in terms of the process or similarities mm-hmm. or whatever have you. So I'm sort of like comparing them in a way, yeah. whereas a lot of people tend to ask, well, which do you prefer? I hate this <laughs> and, question. As an artist myself, I know, you know, I know how frustrating know. that is. I mean, I know it comes from a yeah. good place, but it's, yeah, I don't like being asked Oh, that. totally, totally. But it, it's almost like um, I regard all of the many disciplines as like um, facets of my expression mm-hmm. in the way that somebody would say, oh, you know, if you, if you could no longer taste, you know, um, is that okay? As long as you've got eyesight and hearing, yeah. and, you know, yeah. Or the ability to speak, you know, would you be okay if you lost that, you know, in exchange for, I don't know, just being able to taste things, right. yeah. you know, it's still your mouth, you know? And so, yeah, I, it's really funny because I think for any one individual artist that is maybe doing many things, um, there's usually some sort of connecting um, sort of like ethos or over, you know, arcing ethos that sort of like joins mm-hmm. these things for them. You know, for me, it is very much um, sort of an expression of what is beauty, you know, and and um, and how do you kind of bear witness to beauty, you know, yeah. or the details of beauty. Um, and I think I'm sort of like answering that in a lot of the work that I'm doing. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So it's like. Everyone is, I, I think every artist brings a question mm. sort of yeah, yeah, to, their, to their work. Yeah. yeah and, that, and, and their work is a way of them finding the answers to this question. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's, a, sometimes it's a big question. Sometimes it's a little question. You Absolutely. Know? Um, yeah. And so I think that that's a similarity in, in all of what I'm doing. Like I'm, I'm answering the question of, what does it mean to be a human uh, being in either your portion of the world or in the sort of like greater world mm-hmm. um, that will or uh, that may or may not even accept you, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so like finding those safe places, it's like, that's what I'm, I'm doing, I think, in, in my work, like finding those safe places um, that people recognize as sort of a grounding wire mm-hmm. and possibly even home. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I like that yeah. connection between home and then also finding beauty as well. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. I, I love that because I, I actually ask people that often. I ask kind of what is the connecting yeah. thread between your work? And I, I love yeah. that that just came up naturally. I think that's beautiful yeah. that that's something that you are aware of as you're working through it. Yeah. I, I, and I'm curious with you um, if there is a question that you might be um, attempting to either answer or explore or uh, define or even um, surface yeah. in in what you're doing. There are so many. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, there, there are so many, and yet I think they all do come down to one bigger mm-hmm. thing, which maybe isn't even yeah. defined for me yet. I think currently through yeah. the podcast and then through my own work, I'm, I mm-hmm. am just trying to define kind of what is the role of art. Um, wow. And what is the role of an artist in the world we're in? Yeah. And how does that yeah. make us, um, 
how does that add to our humanness, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Thank you. What does I well, I, I like to ask this of people actually. What does it mean to you to be an artist? Um, you know, it's really funny because um I, I there's a little recording of me. I was like maybe seven and my dad was interviewing me using the new technology of the tape recorder. <laughs> well, it was like new to our house. And I just remember him holding up the microphone to me, asking me, What did I want to be when I grew up? And <laughs> and I said, An artist. Of course, I said it with a quivering voice because I was so nervous, oh, you know. Yeah. Um, but I was like really clear that I wanted to be an artist. And then um, like, as I was sharing with you, my experiences with Cooper Union, mm -hmm. I thought, well, I don't know if it's worth um, devoting one's efforts and energy to being an artist, yeah. you know, if at all, it's just distilled to one word, like dynamic. Right. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and then, um, and then there was a point in my life where I felt like, um, well, how can I even call myself an artist? It's like such a kind of like almost heavy title in a way, mm -hmm. um, in the way that like I've never, um, even though I've always uh, written and used the written word, uh, um, the written a word to express myself or, you know, um, would go deep into wordsmithing yeah. to kind of combine words or shave off words. Um, and just like really have fun with that, like just actually call myself a writer mm -hmm. felt like that was something that was a, like a title that was like a little too big a shoe, yeah. you know, to kind of step into. Um, and it's only now that I, I'm sort of embracing um, the idea that um, you can't help but be an artist if you are an artist. Mm -hmm. Yep, I think so. <laughs> and that if you are willing to devote yourself to your discipline mm -hmm. um, and spend time um, sort of like teasing it out and, you know, coaxing things along and, mm -hmm. and, and cultivating, then whether how you feel about the word artist or not, you know, you are one. It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It sort of uniquely describes yeah. you. Um, and no matter where you are in that journey, yeah, you know, the, the fact that you've sort of like set your face to that direction and have committed uh, your time and attention, mm -hmm. you know, uh, to creating makes you, makes you an artist. Um, and so, so I would say artists are both born and made, mm. um, I, like, like any true vocation, yeah. I think, you know, there's a calling. Yes. And then the question is, well, do you answer the call? <laughs> exactly. I love that. Right. I think that's so important yeah. to have those two pieces, because I, I've heard I a lot of so. one or the other. Um, yeah. you know, you hear kind of like, it's the hustle, it's the hard work to become an artist, yeah. but it is also that calling too. Yeah. And I think every, I think humans are inherently creative, but not everyone yeah, feels totally. that calling and answers it with that kind yeah. of devotion and attention, like you said. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And I think that answering a call is always a choice, mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. Yeah. I really believe yeah. that. Yeah. And so, and so in choosing, we, of course, bring some intentionality and some, um, some commitment, you know, to, yeah, yeah to that. Exactly. Yeah. In terms of your processes, like you were talking about with, mm -hmm. so, with using so many different mediums, how mm -hmm. do you stay dedicated? Do you have moments yeah. where maybe one you feel more drawn to than the other? Is there kind of a cycle yeah. to it? Do you have moments when you just yeah. don't feel motivated at all? Um, how is that yeah. kind of cycle of the process for you? 
Yeah. So I, I would say there's never a time that I don't feel motivated in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are times when, for example, I'm uh, doing a doll commission and I, um, I'm also on deadline uh, for something that needs to be painted. And so I'm in literally two worlds, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I, I'm sort of like weaving in and out of those two worlds. Um, but I would say that the most important thing f- for me is to be in practice. Yeah. And I feel that when I give myself and I turn myself over to that practice, um, that that's when things start to happen. And that's when um, doors start to open. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, and it's kind of like um, there are times when I haven't been painting for a little bit. I've only maybe been sketching. Um, and that when I, I go to paint, the door is not opening for me and I'm knocking really hard <laughs> saying, let me in, let me in. But I, uh, nothing happens in the way that it needs to happen because I've got to kind of like almost show myself again mm-hmm. to say, no, I'm, I'm really serious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here, yeah. you know? And so that means like literally for that, and it could be even so like mid project, it could mean showing up every day and like devoting myself, you know, in terms of my time and hours and then feeling like the dial still hasn't moved. I'm not getting where I feel like I need to go or I want to go Mm -hmm. um, because the door is not open, you know? Um, Yeah, but I have to keep at it. And so like show myself worthy by my, you know, showing up daily um, that something starts to happen. And, and that's when I will enter flow mm-hmm. in a way that um, this flow did not come prior to those moments, yes. you know, but it, it took all of those sort of like dry moments of me showing up without flow mm-hmm. uh, for flow to show up. And then when flow shows up, it really is sort of the gift. It's, it's the feeling of riding a wave. Mm-hmm. I love hearing yeah. that because I, I also do a lot of different things in my creative life between dance and the podcast. Um, I love to cook. There's all sorts of kind of creative right. fires burning a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, but because I self-identify as a dancer and choreographer, yeah. when that's not yeah. the flow that I'm in, often yeah. there's a sense of guilt, you know, that's kind of, oh, yeah. well, I'm, this is what I'm defined yeah. as. And yet I'm drawn towards the other mediums yeah. right now. I um, know. But I like that idea of like knocking on the door when you're ready. Yeah, right, exactly. And what's really funny is um, they really do all feed and inform and dovetail um, each other mm-hmm. in ways that you don't even, oftentimes it's not necessarily uh, revealed in the beginning, um, but you're just, I think that just living and the experience of living, it's what enriches sort of the, the art, yes. you know, because the art is not just a mechanical discipline, yeah. you know, it's like we're bringing an, a perspective and a sort of our observations and even sometimes our failures or, or pain or our limitations or all of that is kind of what makes um, what it is that we do just so profoundly um, um, able to connect with other humans because we're bringing in a human experience exactly and and a human experience is like um includes a pendulum that swings from so like one side of things to the other you know yeah there's a rhythm to it you know so yeah so like even as you're cooking you know and all of the colors and the textures and sort of like how things might react to um that sizzle or, or whatever have you you know, or the steering, it's like all of those are textures that 
ultimately will show up in your dance. Yes, yeah. Because you are experiencing them and you're taking note and observing, yeah, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful way to see it. You know, there are times that I'm not painting um, and it's like I could look out into my um, daily environment and see the lines and the shapes and the spaces and the spaces in between and the shadows, you know, and the texture of things. And it's kind of a little bit like being in practice of painting, mm -hmm. even though there's no paintbrush in my hand. Right. Yeah. Really beautiful. Well, that kind of feeds in perfectly to a question that I like to ask everyone near the end, um, mm -hmm. which is, do you have any daily rituals that help enhance your creative process? Um, I, I used a morning always to collect myself. Mm -hmm. um, and, and collecting myself is um, not like leaping out of bed and like going through the mechanical processes of the day. Right. But to first sort of like ground myself, I think that that's like the most important thing that I could do. Mm -hmm. um, and then if I have a little more time in that, um, sort of like that waking up moment, um, I also like to think about what I want my day's shape to be. Instead of, uh, because I always think there are two creations. It's like what we first originally conceive and then the thing we go to execute. Yeah. And sometimes this, the thing we go to execute looks nothing like, you know, our original intention. Yes. Um, but I, I go through that motion of sort of like creating the day in my, you know, in my mind's eye. And then, you know, and then I lend my body to it, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, for my first waking steps. And um, yeah. And so for me as a mom, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like there's certain things that have to happen in right. a given period of time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've got to, you know, got to make it happen. Mm -hmm. um, um, but I think it's just like being present for the day. Um, that is the most worthy ritual. Yes. You know, even when the details of the day, you know, are in flux or changing. Is there something that's inspiring you particularly lately? So maybe something that keeps kind of popping up around you or just kind of coming into your consciousness that's inspiring you? You know, I, I guess I haven't necessarily thought about it that way. Like this moment as of late, necessarily. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm drawing a blank right now. That's okay. Yeah. Maybe it's just everything. Maybe you're in kind yeah. of a phase of, yeah, a different kind of processing. Yeah, no, totally. I think so. I think so. And then, you know, it, right now, I guess what I've been thinking of and maybe um, devoting some sort of attention to is the fact that I feel like there's so much sort of in me still that I have yet to um, to kind of squeeze out. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what I've been thinking of as late. It's like how to squeeze it all out, mm -hmm. you know, um, so that I can see more of where things are dovetailing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, there's a life that sort of, um, sort of, I, I don't know, it's demanding in a way because I do have deadlines. Sure, you know? of course. Um, and so, um, so like I've been splitting my day, you know, sort of, I've been trying to give myself the two hours at the beginning of the day, um, sort of like after getting breakfast ready and all of the, those things. And sometimes if I can get up and get ahead of all of that, you know, those are like the two quiet hours that I work on the things that I am um, approaching, yeah. you know, and, and uh, looking to develop that have nothing to do with the demands or what is expected of me, yeah. you know? Um, so those are my morning papers, my, my journaling, my writing, um, 
oftentimes working on a story. And then it's like four solid hours of to devote myself to the things that are due, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but like leaving time for that, um, that developmental stuff, you know, the, yeah. uh, the fodder, the stuff that um, no one's expecting of me but that I have to pull and draw out of myself Mm -hmm. I think that's so necessary to try to make time for that even if it's just squeezing in an hour or two I've I've found that as well yeah yeah well is there anything else that you're working on at the moment that you'd like to speak about or touch on yeah I mean right now I am working uh to deliver on a book about Edna Lewis who um just is an, an amazing figure um and she also um, enjoyed many different disciplines in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, she's known to us as someone who um, sort of elevated Southern cooking because a lot of times people confuse Southern cooking with um, sort of like traditional soul food and, mm-hmm. and they're not one in the same. Southern cooking is really about farm to table, oh, you know, yeah. cooking what is seasonal and using really, really fresh ingredients mm-hmm. that you've sort of harvested even yourself. And, um, you know, and just the simplicity of her cooking in her presentation. And she also enjoyed working with textiles. So she wore a lot of the clothes that she made, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah, And so just like really enjoying sort of um, doing the research for her, for her life. And, you know, uh, yeah, just having a really fun time with that. Oh, that sounds Um, lovely. Yeah. And that's slated for uh, 2022 next year. So exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been just such a joy to speak with you. Thank you so much for being so generous with your answers. And it's just been wonderful. So thank you. Well, thank you, Ruby. Thanks for for having me and uh, for being the sort of the the hand that claps back. You know, it's just, um, no, um, it's really, I I don't know, something very nourishing Mm -hmm. um, to be in conversation, even with an artist who is in an entirely different discipline, you know, because yeah it's like um it's like we find language right to to dance around each other and Mm -hmm. and like finding those common places i just think it's just a remarkable and beautiful thing so yeah i do too i think it's really beautiful thank you for sharing that taking that that time ruby it's a pleasure well i'll be sharing links to all of your work and everything in the show notes so everyone can go find you and buy your beautiful books (laughs) (laughs) well thank you and enjoy enjoy your day thank you be well For links to connect with Cosby, learn more about her work, and buy her books, head over to the show notes at processpiece.com. You can also follow this podcast on Instagram or Facebook at processpiece and get these episodes delivered directly to your inbox along with a whole lot of extra inspiration by subscribing to my Sunday newsletter via rubyjosephine.com slash subscribe. If you've been enjoying Process Piece, I would so appreciate you choosing to support this podcast in any or all of three ways. One, leave a rating and review on iTunes. Two, share your favorite episode with a friend or on social media. And three, make a contribution or become a sustaining member at buymeacoffee.com slash rubyjoe. A huge thanks again to Cosby for this joyful conversation. Thank you to Cooper Lee Smith for creating the original music for this podcast. And a special thanks to you for listening.